So this episode is a little different than the norm. It is a training that the Excellence in Leadership Institute held just a little while back, and we invited Kirsten Ross Vogel to come and speak about the nature of fear and, and how to overcome fear and why fears aren't really what you think they are. This is an incredible talk. You don't want to miss it. So without further ado, we're just going to merge into this talk. You are listening to The Leadersmith, Darren Gertis. Okay, yeah. it is it is one o'clock. At one o'clock, Kirsten Ross Vogel was going to uh, come uh, aboard. And I reached out some time ago. I was uh, looking at... I was asking others who were in this kind of space, so podcasters and um, uh, people that were speakers and things along those lines. Hey, who do you know? Because And you guys identified when we were talking about fears, you're talking about fears of inferiority or feeling imposter syndrome or those kind of things that came out again and again. And so I, I asked that on, on, on Facebook and I got dozens of responses and her name kept coming up and we reached out to her and said, hey, look, you keep coming up. I, I listened to some of her podcasts and I was like, David, I think this this is who we need to have come talk. And so Kirsten is here and she's going to be talking to us for a little bit. And Kirsten, thank you so much for coming. So thank you. I'm happy to be here. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So the more people that I can um, have the opportunity to share with, the better. Um, I want to... I'm going to share a little bit, just stuff that's been coming up most recently. Um, so I'm going to take some guesses of what might be helpful to you, but then I want to just open it up to questions. My favorite way is really to just hear, like, how can I, um, how can I give you some strategies, mindset shifts directly uh, related to what you've got going on right now? So the first thing I want to share is um, let your light shine. So I've been seeing this come up so much. I mean, of course, the whole time I've been working with clients, I see it come up. But lately, I don't know why. It's just been peppering around my life with uh, people I've been talking to lately. And it's fear-based. And I'm going to, you know, stereotype a little bit, but I think I'm stereotyping fact-based. We women have a little harder time than men uh, in letting our light shine celebrating our successes. And so um, if you guys have heard of Clubhouse, I've been spending a lot of time on Clubhouse lately and over and over. Women are diluting their successes because they say, well, I don't want to toot my own horn or, well, I don't want you to think I'm thinking I'm, you know, just all those kinds of things. And we don't need to do that. And I'm going to tell you why. So the first is, we all have this tendency to minimize our gifts. We are given gifts, strengths to use in the service of others. And when I say service of others, that can be your vocation. It can be, you know, volunteer work. So don't, when I say that, don't think that like, oh, I'm not using mine because I'm not um, like taking care of orphans in Africa. No, but we are all given gifts that we're to utilize in service of others. And the cool thing is if you've ever been in a room full of people that are sharing what their unique gifts are, there's every different kind of gift there. But what we have a tendency to do because our gifts, our strengths come so easily to us, we minimize them. We think it's not a big deal. It's easy. Anyone can do this. And that's a false and limiting belief. You, there is value that you've been given to use. 
period. And so not only do we minimize our own gifts, but then we covet others. I don't have anything special. You know, I can only do thus and such. And I don't even know what your thus and such is. But I want you to know what your thus and such is and be able to proclaim it. Because we all have a thus and such. And if we all use our thus and such, the world benefits. So here's the next thing. We can proclaim it. If I tell you what my gifts are or I celebrate a success, that is not ego. Too often, people are afraid. We run from. I can't speak out like that because I'm not ego-driven. But ego, being driven by ego is I'm telling you this to make you feel less than. I'm telling you this because I'm better than you. But the thing is, if we celebrate our own gifts while we are celebrating the gifts of others, that's not ego. Here's the other thing that sometimes stands in the way of us letting our own light shine. And I'm going to challenge you to think about. Maybe you're on Facebook or on Instagram or somewhere where you want to share out like a cool thing that's happening. And then you think of a friend or a family member or someone and you think, ooh, what are they going to think if I put this there? One. That's letting other people's thoughts about us dictate how we feel about ourselves. We have value regardless of what others feel. It doesn't matter, and we don't control what others feel. If your intentions are good, and I I encourage you to focus on your intentions, if your intentions are good, it doesn't matter what people assign as your intention. You know that you are using your gifts doing what you're doing, celebrating your successes and not in a way to put others down. The other thing we sometimes think of is that person feels really sad about their situation. They're feeling discouraged. They're struggling. They set goals and they don't achieve them. And I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. But here's the thing. If we're dimming our lights to help someone stay in comfort where they are, We might be missing the opportunity that by hearing about our success, I mean, we humans, we need a catalyst for change, right? What if instead of helping them feel more comfortable where they are by dimming our light, by silencing our celebration of our success, what if our helping them stay comfortable is one of the things that makes them stay stuck? What if instead we did celebrate our success? And that discomfort that they feel, that feeling of discouragement, because remember, your intentions aren't to make them feel that way. They own that. But what if that feeling of discouragement got them in action and now they started achieving and succeeding on their own? Also, what if there are other people who need to hear what you're up to so that they can be inspired by it? You're stealing the opportunity from them too. So please let your light shine. Next thing, super quick, and then I'm going to turn it over for some questions, is I'm going to talk about fear just super quick. 
you guys know we have a lizard brain. Our lizard brain, uh, our amygdala, it's this tiny little part of our brain, but it's powerful if we let it be. So its goal is to keep us static, keep us stuck. This was really necessary back when we lived in caves and in forests and all that. And it still plays a purpose sometimes, but most of the time it's making a big to-do about nothing. Because guess what? If you make a cold call or if you go out of your comfort zone, your amygdala is going to be screaming, danger, 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 and your heart might race. But guess what? Your life is not in danger. So we can't silence that because it's there. It's, you know, it's part of nature. It's there. But we don't have to listen. So um, I encourage you to name your amygdala. Name him or her something funny. Gertrude or Harry. And you can appreciate because, again, good intentions. Gertrude has good intentions, but it's just not a fit right now. So you can say, thank you, Gertrude, but not right now. Because Gertrude doesn't say, you know, I said danger, danger. But see, Gertrude doesn't say that. Gertrude comes up with all of these things that feel like facts and reasons that are really just excuses. And so if we let Gertrude guide our actions, Gertrude will stop us from doing anything new. So um, I also want to say that not only can we get stopped by fear of action, but also I'm going to go again to fear of how people might perceive us. What if I disappoint someone? What if I'm not their saving grace? Fear of failure. Fear of what people think of us, fear of, fear of not looking good. All of those things stop us unnecessarily if we let it. And I think I will leave it right there and open it up to questions. Wow. That, I mean, that was deep. Um, and, you know, when you're dealing with fears, you think those fears are real. They're not. I and mean, those are just things that you have read in that probably will never happen. Can you speak a little bit to that? Like, I mean, we expect this to happen, but the odds are pretty slim. Yeah. So, um, well, what actually one thing that I have people do, I'm going to flip my notes here to make sure I, I get them all. But um, so the thing is, well, generic fear. So if we just sit and think like, I'm afraid. I don't want to do that. I'm afraid that can stop us more easily because we're not being, um, we're not looking at what is the actual fear. So when you're feeling afraid, stop and say, wait a minute, this isn't generic fear. What's the real fear? Like get a name to it, jot it down. Because then once you put a name to it, now you can say, what are the chances of this actually happening? Mm -hmm. And usually it's going to be no. Secondarily, you can say, what's the worst that would happen? Yeah. If this thing happened, like what is, what's the worst case scenario? Now look and say like, what are the chances of that worst case scenario happening? And I've walked clients through this a million times. And usually it's like, yeah, pff, probably none. So hold the phone. 
you were wait, you were stopping yourself from doing something that actually has very little chance of happening and even less chance of the worst case scenario happening. Yeah. And, and if it goes sideways, you're not, you're, you're still alive. I, I'm still okay. Right. Yes. I did this thing and it, uh, I got egg on my face. Okay. Polish yourself off, dust yourself off, go on. Right. Yep. But it's, it's not likely to happen. If it does happen, I'll still be okay. And then you can move on. Now, specifically the, the fear that keeps coming up more than anything else. And you talked about it, but I, I'm going to give you another chance to talk about it a little bit more. Um, is this fear of insecurity, like I'm not good enough. And and how do you how do you root that out? I mean, everything you said was right on target. Is there anything particularly to help them root this out? Because I mean that just keeps coming up again and again. And I, I've tried to give examples like, you know, if you don't have to be Wayne Gretzky to be a decent hockey coach. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. until you hear that, you're like, oh yeah. I mean, conceptually you understand it, but you still feel like uh, maybe I'm not good enough to do that thing until you put yourself out there and take action and do that thing. Go ahead. Exactly. So, I mean, really, you know, write down your values, write down your gifts, write down the things that you're good at. If you can remove this, like I'm going to devalue my strengths and my gifts. Now we can, now we can write them down and celebrate them. Um, stay away from comparison mm. and also Never attach your value to what other people think of you because we don't control that. And their how they feel about us might have nothing to do with us. It's their perceptions, their lenses, their filter, how they're seeing the world. And, and really, I mean, especially, so I've been a full-time entrepreneur for over 15 years and you know, well, my, my dad, I love him. You know, he's in his eighties and he, every time I get a new client, he says, maybe they'll hire you. Cause I work for organizations a lot. And I'm like, well, I don't really want that. Um, but see, but that's his fear, right? His view of life is stability and all of that comes with having a job, which isn't the world anymore. <laughs> one, But, um, but it's okay. Cause like, what are his intentions? His intentions are he loves his daughter and he wants me to be safe. But, um, but we can't control what, people think in any circumstance. And so, um, I mean, one thing is to just, you know, not, not allow yourself to be stopped by what others think. Because again, they, you know, I think back to like years ago, I was, I would facilitate this monthly, um, it was an executive level, um, people in men, mostly men, but men and women in transition. And, you know, so these were all top level, like, you know, had made well into the six figures annually, all of that, these powerful businessmen. And now they're afraid because they're in transition and that's not a fun place to be. And one of them would, you know, we'd be in this big conference room around a table and one of them would say, I'm going to start a business and here's what I want to do. Every time I swear, at least one person would raise their hand and tell them how stupid it was basically, you know, not those exact words, but why are they doing that? It didn't have anything to do with that person's idea for the business. That was their fear, their feelings of inadequacy that they weren't starting a business. Right. And so, so, um, just know your value, pay attention to your intentions and don't let other people's words, actions, feelings, you know, if someone's giving you constructive feedback, you can take it in. I, I caution and always be very intentional about how you choose what I call your trusted advisors. Mm-hmm. 
because there are a ton of people that want to give you advice and weigh in. And maybe I don't even want to call it advice. That's probably like elevating it higher than their two cents, right? Um, I sometimes call my husband two cents <laughs> as a joke, but he is one of my trusted advisors. But but be intentional with that. They need to have your back, not have some other thing going on, right? Some knowledge of what's going on. Um, you know, so so be intentional and make sure that they're not just throwing in the two cents because 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 of something in their own life, their own fears, all of that. Did it answer the question? Yeah, that, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to open it up for you all. Uh, yeah. What questions do you have for Kirsten? And uh, then I want, you know, Kirsten, if you will be willing to t- tell us about your podcast a little bit so that they can have that as a resource. Sure. Tell us about your book, Defeat the, the Drama. D- just sure. give us a little bit about more about your background so they can follow up after whatever questions they might have. Okay, okay you're on. What questions? Hit me. All right. I have a question. Okay. <laughs> so the um, amygdala, that lizard part of our brain, mm-hmm. is there a way to kind of make it a a positive element of life. Because I remember you said, if you name it, it gives it an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond naming it, is there a way to kind of mentor with it and then move forward? So my strategy has always been, and, and to me, the naming of it, um, I don't know if I want to call it an identity, but it's making it playful and humorous so that I'm not frustrated with it and fighting with it. <laughs> um, and then that appreciation piece. So that to me is just, um, it's just a quick way to um, thank you and then redirect my own mindset. But, um, you know, there might be people that are much more into, um, I- I'm not sure if there are strategies, you know, maybe some neuro. <laughs> neuro, um, scientists or something would know, but I'm not, I'm not aware of a way to, um, quiet it or make it go away. As far as I know, the, the best we can do is thank, thank it. Cause it has good intentions and then, um, just not let it, not Kristen, listen. if I can take a, a whack at that, I was reading this today. I was reading uh, "Getting the Yes with Yourself" by William Yuri. Yuri uh, is uh, like one of the world's leading negotiators. He's written books on negotiation for years, and he was talking about exactly this. I was like, "Whoa!" Because I knew we we're going to be talking about this kind of thing. Uh, he said, "What you just said of name it." He said, "Call it your crazy uncle, right? He's your crazy uncle, Charlie." Hear the voice, and then you know, okay, thank you, crazy uncle Charlie. He yeah. means well. He's trying to help you. But he's always going to come at it at fear, right? That's what Crazy Uncle Charlie does. Yeah. So if you do that, factor it in. It's there, but it's not the way that you want to operate your life. Crazy Uncle Charlie is crazy. We all know that. So if you like, I don't think you can ever quiet it completely. I don't. I don't think that that works. But but what Yuri said was to just what you said. Name it and then hear it and then let it go. And then don't waste energy on being frustrated with it. It is what it is, right? So you can beat your head against something that you can't change and be frustrated by it and waste energy on that. So that's why I'm creating like just a playful and gratitude. I mean, it's good. And there might be a time when it, you know, serves you, but in Mm -hmm. most cases it's not. Okay. Actually during one of the challenges, we were looking at that and what we were, what we were talking about was 
for the first piece of that and part of naming it is recognizing when it takes action, right? So the, the whole thing is that it's going to happen. The question is, and what we have control over is how do we respond to that? What do we do with that? So one of the strategies that we talked about was when that happens, instead of letting it control you or, or cause us to freeze or hesitate about taking, taking action, flip that over. Let it actually be a trigger to let us know, okay, so I'm facing something that I need to get clarity on, decide on, and move forward through. Right. Yep. We talked about fight or flight and th those types mm -hmm. of reactions. Those are built in biological responses that are there for our own good, for our own protection. When they get triggered, we're at a crossroads, we're at a fork. Mm -hmm. Recognize it, decide which path am I going to go down and move, take action. Yeah. Okay, who else has a question? Um, thank you for everything that you've shared. It's really enlightening and helpful. And um, I just have a question because you mentioned like writing down, you know, your fear and then kind of like, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? And if, you know, what's the chance that that would happen? Another tactic that I've used before is sometimes the fears that we have, I'll say myself, I don't want to generalize we, but sometimes the fears that I have are just so ridiculous, right? And, and then I say it out loud or I say it to my husband and he's like, what are you talking about? Like that? No, that's never going to happen, you know. But sometimes we get in this trap where either we don't have someone else to bounce that idea off of or it's just feels so overwhelming. So I was just wondering in those moments um, where you're trying to write it down and you just keep spiraling, do you have any tips that you could share that people can use to maybe help overcome that? Yeah, so one thing, just in terms of overwhelm, not even necessarily related to fear, but overwhelm, um, one thing is that our brains can't decipher if you have 10 things on your to-do list and you've, you're trying to remember it in your head um, and you're repeating it to yourself 100 times, um, your brain can't tell the difference that it's really only 10 things. And that's one of the reasons that to-do lists, get it, you know, wherever you keep it, find a good way, a good place to keep mm -hmm. that, but get it out of your head um, because that's that's one key reason that people get in overwhelm. Of course, not saying, you know, saying yes when you should be saying no and the whole people-pleasing thing, which I'm also happy to share about, um, will also get you into overwhelm. But if it's just that you have the tasks and you're keeping them in your brain. Um, and then the other thing is, so in any circumstance, you know, maybe we're really sad or afraid or angry or all of those kinds of things. Um, I always encourage looking for what is in our control. So, um, cause sometimes all those feelings are heightened if we feel like a complete victim to whatever's going on. And I mean, there's a lot of times when a lot of things aren't in our control, but there's always something at least one part of it that is. So I call it like a poking around. Um, so poke around, like what, where can you make an impact on this thing and put your focus there. So actually, um, gosh, I didn't even realize this was a whole fear thing, but yeah. So like in the beginning of the pandemic in the U S, uh, I ended up creating just this one sheet little thing. Cause fear was flying. 
right? There was physical fear, financial fear, social fear, you know, the divides happening just, um, so there was all this different kind of fear hitting us at once. And also, um, but it was generic very often. So going back to like, get it. So I actually created this one page little form and shared it at the beginning of the pandemic with people, but it was, um, so let me give an illustration, but getting very specific about the fear and then saying, this is the part I don't have control over. And then this is the part that I do. Now I can put my full focus on where I have control and let the rest go. Because again, if there's nothing I can do about it, why sit and worry about it? I mean, we don't like it. It's unfortunate, but like if there's nothing I can do. So as a, for instance, so, um, my youngest son, um, works at UPS. So he's an essential worker. He lives, you know, ways away. Hadn't seen him for a long time. His brother, his older brother, they, my boys lived together for two years after they uh, left my house. So 22 and 20. Um, so they had been living together while my oldest son moved to Chicago because he finished college. And then my youngest son was by himself in the pandemic working at UPS. Well, so I could feel really worried about that. I was worried about his well-being and, you know, feeling lonely and all that. And I couldn't, as a mom, I, I couldn't see him at the moment. But a lot of that was out of my control. The pandemic was creating all of that. But if I poked around, I could send him groceries. So I could send, I can't, I couldn't be with him physically, but when I poked around one thing that was in my control that I could do to help was send him love via, uh, Myers <laughs> and get some groceries. So it's, it's just a matter of, um, yeah, poke around and, and sometimes it's only our, what we're focusing on is the only thing in our control. And even that, you know, if, we can only focus on a couple of things at once. So when my boys um, were little and um, we had been through a very tough time as a family, my boys and I, and every night we would have gratitude talks. So they would jump in my bed and we would each share like what we were grateful for from that day. And even my youngest son at the time said, mom, when I grow up, I want to write a book about gratitude talks so that other moms do the same with their kids so that they can help feel better. That's awesome. So, yeah. Okay. One more question. If you have one more question, we'll entertain it. And then uh, I'll ask her to uh, tell us about her podcast and book. Okay. Well, that makes it easy. So tell us about <laughs> your, uh, your podcast. Tell us about your book. What else can they know so that they can follow up and, and get more of what you're talking about? Okay. Well, I'll also say too, if you guys want me to talk about people pleasing, that's another favorite topic, but um, so oh, I'm you got one. Oh. <laughs> Look at that. Well, I'll tell you about the podcast <laughs> and then we can circle back. How's that? Um, so uh, Live and Lead for Impact is my podcast. Uh, it comes out twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Mondays are strategies for me. And then Thursdays, I interview people who are making a difference in the world who have been inspired by some life experience um, to make that difference. So um, and the the little I'm not going to remember the well I think we used it as the bio I actually sent my um, my intro to the podcast as my bio so if you saw that but you were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose don't let fears false beliefs and something stop you <laughs> I forget oh there it is there we go 
So, um, yeah, so that's my podcast. And the cool thing is um, my 22-year-old son, who just graduated from Michigan State University and now lives in Chicago, uh, is the one who's doing my editing and all my behind-the-scenes stuff now, which wow. is fun. Yeah. Isn't that great? I, yeah. I found something where um, my kids started listening to my podcast uh, about 100 <laughs> episodes in. I was like, yeah, like, look, I'm pouring out the best stuff that I know about leadership, right? And my kids are absorbing that like voluntarily. Like if I tried to say, no, sit down, son, and uh, let me tell you about this, it wouldn't work, but they're listening to it. That's awesome. So funny, actually, that you say that because, you know, when my kids were pretty young when I first started the podcast, because I've had some stops and starts. So, um, so I think it was like 2014 when I first launched it. But anyway, yeah, you know, so they were young and they were like, mom's doing another thing, you know, and, uh, I actually remember one time my, my, uh, when my son hit middle school, he, I, it was like first day of school. And I'm like, it's a half day. You guys want to go to lunch, you know, after school. And he was like, mom, I, I do, but I, I don't want my friends to see me with you. (laughs) And I was like, but I'm really cool, you know? (laughs) But anyway, so the funny thing is, yeah, they're not going to pay attention to that stuff when they're younger, but yeah, now that he is editing, he was like, Wow. I mean, you, you know, I kind of thought it would be a little, bo- I mean, you know, these inner, you know, like there's some good stuff in here. <laughs> yeah. So he's been sharing it with other people and enjoying the interviews and all that. And uh, yeah, and we have good laughs together. So anyway, so that's my podcast. Um, and then, um, I mean, I'm not honestly on Facebook too much anymore. Um, Clubhouse, though, I'm all about Clubhouse. So if you're on Clubhouse, I have a family business leaders club there. And um, I'm on there every morning at 730 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, I call it your uh, exercise, your body and your family business mind. And then I also have topics like I'm going to be on at 330 again today, how to um, how to add play to your workplace. But anyway, I bring in uh, other people to speak with me and share in the rooms. So I'm Kirsten R. Vogel on there. Um, let's see. And then my, um, your book, my book is a uh, defeat team drama now. And I also have, uh, from people problems to productivity, the health professionals guide to leading. Well, those are my professional books. And then I also have to love and be cherished, which is, um, dating. And I'll tell you a little, they said to, to share a little bit about my background. So that'll make a little bit more sense about why I wrote a book on dating. Okay. So we're going to stop there. That's all the time that we have for today. But the quotation for contemplation for today comes from Babe Ruth, who said, don't let the fear of striking out hold you back. Okay. Be sure to come back and listen to part two with Kirsten Ross Vogel. Thanks for your time. Mm-hmm.